This evening we invite you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We want to read three verses for your hearing. And we'll look at the context of these three verses uh, in just a minute. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we want to read verses 16, 17, and 18. Apostle Paul here is writing to the church of Thessalonica, and he writes, Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. To everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. The Apostle Paul here brings to close his letter to the church at Thessalonica in these verses that are uh, before us. These are just some of the verses that we have here in the closing. Uh, the context, uh, the Apostle Paul, he had a pattern that he used in that of the writing of his letters. And that pattern was that usually in the first section of his letter, uh, it was doctrinal. In the second section of his letter, it would be practical. And so as we think of uh, that pattern, uh, and we look where we are here in uh, this epistle, we immediately know that we are in that of the practical section uh, of this uh, epistle. And these verses which are before us are some practical instructions uh, that he writes unto uh, the church at Thessalonica. Now, these aren't the only uh, uh, practical instructions. Uh, uh, the the passage itself, uh, the fuller passage, uh, gives that of commands like that of a, uh, a machine gun, rat tat tat, rat tat tat. Uh, as you look down uh, through there, sort of like that of what we just read. Uh, they're short, uh, uh, quick statements uh, that Paul writes here. Now, as we look at that of the overall context of the verses that we're going to be considering uh, tonight, uh, in verses, beginning with verse number 12, the Apostle Paul, he gives some instructions to the congregational leaders. Uh, in verse 12, he writes, And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which are labor among you, and are over you in the Lord, and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake, and be at peace among yourselves. Then he gives some instructions to that of members that were troubled members in the congregation. In verses 14 and 15, he writes, We exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, be patient towards all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. And then next, in verses 16 through 18, those are the verses that we uh, are going to focus in on uh, tonight. In verses 19 through 22, he gives some instructions on uh, uh, testing prophecy. Uh, Verse 19, he writes, Quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying, prove all things, hold fast that which is good. And then 
lastly, he brings his uh, epistle to a close with some uh, general uh, instructions uh, here in these last few verses. He, he writes, beginning with verse number 23, he writes, In the very God of peace, sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Brethren, pray for us. Read all the brethren which are with a holy kiss. I charge in the Lord that the epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So there you kind of have a general idea of how that the Apostle Paul here in the latter part is just like that of a machine gun, you rat tat tat, uh, uh, is that of the commands that he gives uh, uh, over all. But there are instructions that are necessary, needful uh, for that of the church uh, at Thessalonica. Now, as I said tonight, I want to focus in on verses 16 through 18. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. First of all, let's take note of the first uh, statement that Paul makes in verse number 16. Paul writes, Rejoice evermore. Paul calls upon the church here to rejoice evermore. And I say to the church because this is what the letter, or, or who the letter is written to. It's written unto the saints uh, at Thessalonica that made up that of the, the church at Thessalonica. In chapter 1, it says, Paul and Sylvanius and Timotheus under the church of the Thessalonians, which is in God the Father and in the Lord Jesus Christ, be unto you and grace be unto you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> so these instructions uh, here that are before us, uh, they're to the church at Thessalonica, but they would be also applicable uh, for other uh, uh, churches. And the instruction here is to rejoice or to be joyful, to be glad. And then he adds the adverb evermore or always or at all times. Now, one might step, step back and say, well, how can this be? Why, 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 why would the Apostle Paul uh, make uh, such a command here to rejoice uh, evermore or rejoice uh, uh, always? Isn't there times that we're not joyful? Yes, there are times that we're not joyful. There are times when there's a darkness, we're sad. But yet Paul here, understanding that, he says rejoice evermore or always. And keep in mind he's writing to the church. The kind of rejoicing the term denotes here is not only a feeling and an expression of joy, but also 
an action one chooses. So yes, the command is for even those who perhaps are going through that of a dark time in their life, difficult, the command is to rejoice, to rejoice evermore. Again, we go back to the question, how can this be? How, well, one can choose to rejoice. One can choose uh, to be uh, glad. Is the idea that is found in the word uh, rejoice uh, here. Now, the imp Paul knew that there would be those that were sad, those that were going through difficult circumstances. But the thing of it is, is one, even though going through those circumstances, those dark periods of life, they can still rejoice. They can choose uh, to do so. Now, what I want to do is, is I want to give you some examples. And these examples are taken from the scriptures. The first one is actually found right here in the book itself. If you turn back over to chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, <clears throat> And we're going to begin with that of verse 2. Paul writes, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith and labor of love and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father, knowing, brethren, beloved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance, as you know that many, uh, as you know what manner of men we were among you for your sake. And ye became followers of, of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. With joy of the Holy Ghost. Paul here, as he writes to the Thessalonians, he reminds them of that of the entrance of the gospel into that of their lives. And he reminds them of that of the difficulty that they went through as the gospel came unto them. And yet, there was joy. Even though they went through affliction, a difficult time, the gospel was proclaimed, they, they heard it, they received it. There was also joy. There was joy as they received that of the message, even though they were in the midst of difficulty. Over the book of Philippians, we have the Apostle Paul once again. And there are several passages here in the book of Philippians. <laughs> Philippians is a book of joy. <clears throat> but it was Warren Wiersbe that wrote a little commentary, a little paperback book, Be Joyful. When I first picked that up and read it, I couldn't get over the uh, comments that he brought out in that little book uh, based upon that of this 
uh, epistle that Paul wrote to uh, the Philippians. The book of Philippians, the background is that of the apostle Paul. He is in prison. He's in uh, uh, that of uh, chains. Uh, and yet, as he is there in prison, uh, he's in chains. He's suffering uh, for the sake of uh, the gospel. Paul rejoices. Paul rejoices. Now, uh, one might wonder how could Paul rejoice? Uh, here he was in prison. He was chained uh, uh, up as out of a prisoner. How could, he, how could he rejoice? He could rejoice because of the gospel. He could rejoice because the gospel was being proclaimed. And that's what he writes and tells uh, the dear saints uh, at uh, Philippians, beginning with verse number 12 of chapter 1. He writes, But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather into the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preached Christ of contention and not sincerity, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether it be in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Paul, here in the midst of great difficulty, he did exactly what that our word means here in our context, beloved. He chose to rejoice. And he chose to rejoice because he knew, beloved, that of the hope that he had in the gospel. The gospel was being proclaimed. He knew what the gospel was. He knew, he knew the good news. And he rejoiced that that good news was getting out. Even though he was going through difficulty, physically speaking. Over in that of the third chapter uh, of the book of Philippians, in verse 1, he writes, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Now, he'd already spoken of joy. Rejoicing. And now he calls upon the Philippians to uh, rejoice. Brethren, the command here is to rejoice evermore. Rejoice always. And why can we rejoice? We can rejoice because of Jesus Christ the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's the first instruction that the Apostle Paul gives to that of the Thessalonians here in our text. Next, he writes in verse 17, Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Now, the word chosen for pray here is a general one. It's one that implies that of a worshipful approach unto God. Coming before Him. 
uh, and adoring him, uh, making supplication uh, unto the Lord, offering up that of praise and thanksgiving. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer is what the songwriter wrote. And we are invited. We are invited in Scripture in so many places to bring that of our petitions to pray unto the Lord. To bring our concerns and to find grace and help in time of need. Pray without ceasing. Again, we ask the question, how can this be? Pray without ceasing. Note that of the adverb once again here. Add the adverb, adverb always up in the verse number uh, 16. Rejoice always or evermore. Here we have the adverb uh, ceasing, without ceasing. Pray without ceasing means to pray constantly. The actual word without ceasing means. So that's what the statement would mean. Pray without ceasing. But now we know, don't we, that it's impossible to be on our knees or bowing our heads in prayer every moment of the day. Constantly. What we have here is an adverb that is a hyperbole that is not to be taken literally, but rather to mean giving ourselves over to the act. It's to spend much time in it is the ideal here that Paul is setting before us. Pray without ceasing. In other words, give yourself over to prayer. Spend much time in prayer. I think one of the hymn writers uh, speaks of that very thing, of spending much time uh, uh, in prayer. Scriptures tell us that we're to pray and not give up. The Lord, in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, He spake a parable unto them to this end, or to this purpose that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Not to faint. To not give up. Secondly, we're told in Scripture to persevere in prayer. Romans 12, verse 12, the Apostle Paul, he writes, rejoicing in hope. We have rejoicing always. Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Continuing instant in prayer. Persevering in prayer. And then we're told in, by the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 6 to pray always. He wrote, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. So we have Paul writing to the church at Rome, writing to the church at Ephesus, calling upon them to pray 
pray always to continue or to persevere in prayer and then our Lord himself telling us not to give up. Uh, do we give ourselves to prayer? That's the question that perhaps we might want to ask ourselves. And when do we pray? When do we pray? How are we to pray? Well, our Lord, He, in speaking to the disciples, He gave that of a pattern. Over in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. Matthew, chapter 6, and beginning with verse number 9, we have these words. After this manner, therefore, pray ye. These are the words of our Lord. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You know, as we look at that pattern that our Lord gave here in the Sermon on the Mount, he was speaking to his disciples and to uh, the multitude that was there upon that day uh, here in Matthew, uh, as we're in the great Sermon on the Mount that we have the Lord doing this. Uh, he said, pray in this manner or in this way. Our Father. Our Father. God, our Father. Father loves His children. A Father cares for His children. A father provides for his children. Ah, oh, our father. He does that very thing for us. Our father, which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. May thy name be honored. Thy kingdom come, praying for his kingdom to come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Those petitions. Pray without ceasing. Our Lord gives us the pattern, gives us the way, tells us what we ought to pray. The Apostle Paul note what he writes at the very end of chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. 
in verse 25. Verse 25, Paul writes, Brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. Ah, beloved, we ought to follow in that example of the Apostle Paul. Pray for us. Paul was asking prayer for him and his brethren that were with him as he went on his journey as far as the ministry was concerned. And we ought to pray for that of God's men as they minister. But beloved, these very same words ought to be upon our lips with one another, with regards to one another. Brethren, pray for us. Brethren, pray for us. Remember us. The last command that the Apostle Paul sets before us here is found in verse 18 in the verses that are before us that we're focusing in on. He says, In everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now this verse has the command in it and then it has some other statements that are made. We have the command here to give thanks in everything. But then we have these words, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Most commentaries or commentators tell us that these words, that they go with that of the three commands that have just been given. Rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. For, here's the reason why we are to rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. And in everything give thanks. For, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now let's first take the command. In everything give thanks. To give thanks is to express appreciation. The psalmist David in Psalm 103, one which we know very well here, I'm always reminded of that psalm as I think about that of thanksgiving. The psalmist David, he says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed 
like the eagles. What I always think of is that statement, forgetting not all His benefits. Bless the Lord. Praise the Lord. Give, give honor. Show thy gratefulness, thankfulness unto the Lord for that of His benefits. Benefits. Plural. Well, Paul here, you might say, is the David of the New Testament here. As he writes that of the statement here, he says, In everything give thanks. In everything. In every good thing. Even in the midst of trial, difficulty, give thanks. Knowing that as a child of God, that everything that comes into that of our life, it's for our good. Whether it be like we would term it good or bad, it's for that of our good. Of course, we know that from what Paul wrote over in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Now, the key, or what you need to note there is, is that it says we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, who are called according to His purpose. In everything, give thanks. Always the easiest thing to do. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. As I said earlier, this has to do with that of the three commands that are given here, most commentators tell us. It is God's will. What is pleasing in that of His sight is what Paul here is telling us. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. In union with Christ Jesus. Concerning you. Now this is not an individual you or single you. It is a plural you here. Which only goes to emphasize the fact that these commands here, they are not given to individuals per se, but they're given to that of the assembly, the whole group, which of course breaks down into individuals as they go off their separate ways in that of life in the community, amongst the community of believers. It is concerning you that Paul Paul says, I write. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks, Paul says, for this is the Lord's will. This is the Lord's pleasure for us. 
All right, we'll close with Amazing Grace. Let's stand.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Lord bless you.